brother. Give your Bible turn to Romans chapter 11. That's where we'll be starting today. Uh, we are done playing Connect the Dots for you. I know it's a little disappointing as we do that, but we'll, we'll still have a good time as we get into God's Word. A uh, couple of things just so that you will know. We've got a couple more um, events happening coming up shortly. Um, if you notice, Connor was jamming out in the back today. I don't know if I watch him just because he's my son or if I just enjoy that. Connor got his wisdom teeth out, and it was either duct tape his mouth or put him in the background this week to keep him from worshiping out loud. So uh, we're so thankful for our praise team and, and the gift that they have been. I don't know if you know this. We, we don't talk about it a lot, but the praise team has been mentoring and and blessing us by loving on Connor uh, through this summer and so they're more they do way more than just what we are part of on Sunday morning and so it's really good uh, if you were here last week uh, we had a special guest um, Tyler Antcliffe and um, Tyler and Natalie have been serving the Lord together um, since 2014 I'll let him tell the story about how they met in Bible class um, I know he watches our sermons so I'll let you know he, he made a good decision find a godly girl go to Bible class in college and Surely there's one in there. And so uh, they have been together since 2014. Um, but our committee, our search team, um, after spending a lot of time in prayer, fasting, visiting with them, hearing their heart for the Lord, um, invited them to come last week because just to let our heart make sure that um, they were running in the same direction as our church family. And uh, we all got home, and, and the overwhelming voice was yes. So on the 20th of August, uh, Tyler uh, Antcliffe and his family will be here for Affirmation Sunday. And uh, we believe wholeheartedly God's got a long tenure and plan for what he's doing here through Tyler. So we're excited for that. Um, so make sure you're here on the 20th to welcome them, to encourage them uh, in their walk. Um, and it's, it's fun on our end, because next Sunday afternoon we take Connor off to college uh, he's been ready to go since he was in eighth grade. Any of you have a kid like that? Uh, and so, so we've got that going on. Um, a few things that are happening. If you're visiting with us today, super glad that you're here. Our family Sunday, that first Sunday of the month, is something unique. We enjoy kids being in all the time. Uh, we have extended care up through five-year-olds uh, available because we know kids wiggle and giggle differently and they learn differently than we do as an adult. I know it's hard to believe, um, but we do that. We love children being in here throughout the service, but today we'll be taking the Lord's Supper at the end. And if your child um, it doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'll give you some instruction on that. But I'll start telling you now what I would love for you to do as a parent um, for your child. If they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you say, hey, there's a reason why we're going to save this for another day. Or they do. I want you to be thinking now. I don't want you to put you on the spot in the moment. Is I want you to tell them about how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as the offer as the that time is going on okay so i want you talking to him and whispering to him you're not going to disrupt anybody we don't always do lord's supper on family sunday but when we do it gives you a great chance maybe for the first time ever to share your testimony with your child so we want you to do that all right you're in romans chapter 11 verse 25 i want to start off with reading the passage to you then we'll jump in pretty strong the bible says this in verse 25 only Lest you be wise in your own sight, I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. Now, now this is a, 
This is even better than any other way to start the sermon. This idea that lest you be wise in your own eyes, I don't want you to be unaware of the mystery. And I thought about this. Have you ever watched someone, maybe you've done it yourself, where you confidently and completely misunderstood what you were supposed to do? Like confidently and completely got it wrong. Right, and I'll give you a cute example. We were talking at the house this weekend with the girls, and, and uh, we were just talking about children, and it's been a while. And then I thought, oh, I remember that. Have you ever been a place where you've told your kid, we're going somewhere nice, you need to dress up? And you have a parent moment where you don't tell them what that means. And they go to dress up, and you're ready to go to a wedding, maybe you're coming to church, and they come out proud and confidently wearing their Superman or ballerina costume. Like, they have done exactly what you said, and they are so excited. Like, I am a big kid now. You told me to dress up. How's that for following instructions? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had that moment? Now, in that moment as a parent, you have a, 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 an option of things to do, right? They are proud. They follow an instruction. Their intention was right. Do you, one... Reject all social norms and shirk your responsibility in order to affirm their ignorance and make them feel good. That's option number one, all right? That is not the Gen X option. I know what you're, I know what you're saying, right? Option number two, do you overreact and act as if they just destroyed the world and life as we know it? That's the Gen X. That's, that's it, right? right? I, I'm not making you raise your hands, but you're with me. Or three, do you share the truth with them because you love them and you don't want them to live their life in ignorance now i'll be honest number one is like the popular model of today right it's what the world would tell you right you just you know what don't make them feel bad you you did something wrong they that just would hurt their they would probably not even grow up to be an adult they'd probably turn into a tree if you don't affirm them right now right the second one is maybe what many of us grew up with what are you doing right oh, i did that too authentically didn't i i won't tell you what i did in my life right some of us just we just do that but the third is the model and example that god gives us in romans chapter 11 right the the, the people here have completely started going down a, a, a trail with what they think they confidently understand. And God says, I want you to know, lest you be wise in your own eyes, I want you to be, I want you to be aware of this mystery. Right now, you're wise, but you have no idea what you're talking about. You think you know what's going on, but you don't. You see, God is not willing to affirm what he knows is bad for us. God is not some angry, fallen person who blows up as a drop of the hat and just waiting to club you down. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to live in ignorance in a life that starts tailing off from him. And, and I want you to know, what the Spirit does in the rest of this passage is almost completely rejected by the influencers of today and Paul's day. Because the influencers of today say, listen, you be proud of who you are and everybody
somebody else will come along eventually let me tell you that has never worked in all of history and it will never work in all of our our future because that isn't love see last week in, in chapter 10 we talked about this passionate right this passionate zeal for god that was ignorant that was disingenuous to the truth authentic to who you are but disingenuous in other words you can believe it with all your heart but that doesn't make it right and chapter 11 just builds into that but god gives us a peek into his ways and his mind through this passage because i want you to know everyone you ever run into lives in faith everyone you'll ever talk to has faith and has it strongly in something but what what the lord says through paul today is that all faith isn't good faith all faith isn't good faith even faith that's sprinkled with jesus in it even faith that uses bits and pieces of the scripture all faith isn't good faith that's what chapter 11 is really about you see what's happened in the first 24 verses of chapter 11 now i lost my i'll create a local canvas we'll see what happens here um, I lost that. But, but in the midst of that, what's happening is the people of God, this early church, have started to see, well, the Jews are being rejecting the gospel, and we're embracing the gospel. So it's our time now. Like, our, it's our way. We're, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get it. We're going to make it happen. Y'all, you, you, you have lost the movement. The movement is ours. See, the issue is not a lack of faith. It's a misplaced faith. In church, Scripture from Genesis to Revelation talks about this misplaced faith that leads us far away from the Lord. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8 says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Listen to what verse 7 says. Be not wise in your own eyes, verse 25 of, of Romans chapter 11, lest you be wise in your own eyes. All right? You see that link? Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and a freshment to your bones. Listen, I want you to know, when we turn away from our half-baked wisdom even though it may discourage us that we got it wrong even though it may feel like discipline in the moment because it is even though it may feel like correction when you and i turn away from the wisdom that is based and grounded in ourselves and we find and discover true wisdom that comes from god almighty it is the bible says healing to your flesh and refreshing to your bones here's how i want you to see this if you haven't figured out our country and our world is a little bit angry right now have you have you seen that like i had to stop watching the tv news and i'm about to have to stop stop reading my news thread right has anyone ever had a good day before you turned on the news and the rest of the day you have a bad day after you watch the news yeah there's a reason for that because a a wisdom and a faith even if it smells a little bit like jesus it's, that's based in your own understanding is not healing and it is not refreshing 
because that faith may talk about Jesus or it may ignore him completely. But it says, you trust yourself. You trust what you're saying. You trust what I'm saying. You trust that it's the right way. It, it, it leads to this incredible, like, wrenching, gut-feeling thing. In California, I don't know if you know this week, there's two states left in the union where child marriage is legal. Mississippi and California, right? In California, the government wants to pass a bill that says that's not okay anymore. But there are two civil rights organizations that say you can't do that because that might hinder a child's choice somewhere, somehow, when it comes to body autonomy or control. Is there any peace in that statement? There's no peace in that statement. That's, some, that's, that's a trust that comes into yourself and doesn't make sense. It, it, it's the same way that says, I don't know if you've, you've watched, people are going back to the movies all of a sudden, there's all these movies that are going on as I'm reading about uh, reviews and all these kinds of things. We don't see a ton of movies. I'm reading greatest historical movie ever. Everybody's got to see it. Bring your 14-year-old. I go to like a commonsenseparentingthing.org every now and then and read reviews. And I'm reading reviews by 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds. Saw it with my mom and dad and the however many minutes of nudity in there. It's not a problem at all. Everybody's got to see this. Listen, I saw Titanic sitting next to my future father-in-law. You, you, right? Right? Where was the internet? There was no peace and comfort. There was no refreshing and healing. There was like, look down and crawl. See, because the wisdom that the world says, it, it says, trust yourself trust me and belittle a thinking that you could be on the wrong path if it conflicts or feels like discipline and what God says here is because I love you lest you be wise in your own sight let me talk to you let me tell you the truth because the insight that I want to share with you is for your protection and the furtherance of your faith and joy and life that sounds like a good parent, doesn't it? That sounds like one who says, I know you and I love you. And so verse 1 through 24, he just goes through this layout that there is a remnant of Jews, that the Gentiles thought the movement was theirs. There is a remnant of Jews, and it was for the good of all creation. And, and yes, you are the beneficiaries of that if you are not a Jew. But don't let your faith say, thank you, God, I understand, and all of a sudden burst some sin in you that doesn't belong. You see, God knows it all. And there's never a moment where you say, God, I've got it, I've figured it out, let me take it from here. If that happens, you should pray before you go to bed every night. God, show me if there is any wicked way in me and pull it out. Because I don't want a half-baked faith that leads away from refreshment and nourishment of my body and my soul. Isn't that what you want? I mean, surely you don't come here to get kicked in the face by the Lord every week, amen? Right? Surely you come and seek a relationship with the living God. This is what the Bible says, verse 25 through 27, Romans chapter 11. Let's jump in it together. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. 
a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now, I, I'm going to keep everybody from going blind, so I apologize for just a moment. I hope your eyes out here. This is meant to make sense. And I know that you and I, maybe we're not living as Romans, we're not living as Gentiles in this world, that was this Jewish world, but at this moment, they were thinking that, that they were the new chosen people, the Gentiles, right? There was, there was this idea, I mean, I know in, 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 in today's political world, we would call it American exceptionalism, exceptionalism kind of thing. There was this Gentile exceptionalism going on in the church, that, that made no room for anyone but it. And so, so the Lord through Paul writes this out. I want you to understand, just in case you're getting pride, proud in your own eyes. First of all, there's been a partial, not a complete, but there's been a partial hardening. You are correct, H-A-R-D-E-N, right? There's been a partial hardening of the Jews, right? I haven't cut them off. We've talked about that in chapter 9. We talked about that in chapter 10. I haven't cut them off. And so if you are thinking the, the day belongs to me now, what he says is, first of all, there's been a partial hardening of them, but I haven't completely cut them off. What I love about God is he's not just doling out a halfway understood uh, explanation here. He pulls it out if he stops right here, right? If he just says, hey, y'all, there's just been a partial hardening of the Jews. It would be very easy to say, well, God's not a, a promise keeper. If there's been a partial hardening of the Jews, then, then how do I know one day there won't be a partial hardening of us? What does that look into? If, if that's the period that the Old Testament, the promises that it points to, fail. God isn't a promise keeper. This is where this thought leads to if it's left alone. But that's not what God says. He says there's a partial hardening of the Jews... So that the full number of the Gentiles can come in. He says, I, I want you to know their hardening was for your benefit. If you think back to the gospel, Jesus came first to the whom, church people? Jews. And then to the whom? Gentiles. There's an order in that. God didn't abandon that order. He brought about this hardening in his chosen people so that the fullness of the Gentiles could come in. In other words, we are the beneficiaries of this, just like you and I might be the beneficiary of an inheritance. Listen, if, if you have a parent that passes away and they leave you an inheritance because you're their child what did you do that you should be proud of that made you earn that inheritance zero there's no room for pride in there in fact that inheritance should make you exalt the stewardship of the one who left it to you right that's what it should do but but what's happening here is if this is the whole picture right here if this is God's explanation, then the period looks like us. All of a sudden, when the period looks like us, when we don't have to think 
about future generations. If you get millions of dollars of inheritance, who gets to spend it all? We do. Who do you ask about how you're going to spend it? Whoever you want to. Who do you have to listen to about how you're going to spend it? Nobody, because you're the period. You're the end of it. In our society, there's all kinds of studies out. Boomers, everybody's making fun of anyone over 60 right now with all these kind of things they're saying. There is a literal anticipation of a transfer of wealth from, poor, from good stewards to poor stewards, and the poor stewards can't wait to get it. That's literally our country waiting right now. That is America. That's the pride that's happening in the early church. That's what the Lord's warning against. He's saying there's a partial hardening that's let you in, and all of a sudden you feel like this makes you somebody. There's pride creeping in. It makes you something as if you have a right now to go and point and do and all of these things. But God doesn't stop there. After he says the fullness come in, look at verse 26 and 27. He quotes Old Testament promises right here. And you can't miss that he wants them to know this isn't new. This isn't new. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. The deliverer will come from Zion. And he will banish all ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sin. He said, just in case you were wondering, you are a blessed link in this chain of my promise keeping. Because it will end with a spiritual awakening of that remnant in the Jews. See, when we think we're the period of God's promise, we miss it. I want to let you know the Jews aren't the period of God's promise here. I'm not the period. You're not the period. God's promise is the chain. He's the period. Our faith, if we're going to be living a, a faith that doesn't have us wise in our own sights or wise in the commentary we read or wise in the podcast we listen to or wise to the news anchor we listen to or wise to the life group, I, that no, we don't want to be wise in any of their eyes. If you all think I'm a fool, it's okay. Because my goal is not to be wise in my eyes or your eyes is for the wisdom of God to light up my eyes. That's my goal. That's where faith leads us to. And that's not happening here in church. In pride, it doesn't work that way. We always want to make somehow us this focus, this grounded mark that wisdom blossoms and grows. And we want to grow in wisdom, but not our wisdom, in God's wisdom. We want to grow in favor, not in our favor, but in God's favor, in favor with him. It's a bonus if other people enjoy being around us. It's a bonus if others seek godly wisdom through us as we are seeking it from. That's a bonus, but none of it is the period. See, the primary point of this verse, don't miss it. 
was to tell the Christians in Rome not to think too highly of themselves, that God has a plan that's bigger than what they could see, think, or imagine. But the secondary thought for us is that, church, God is a promise keeper, so humble yourself before the Lord. Isaiah 55 is, is a potent passage in Scripture. Listen to verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are, excuse me, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Church, as we walk through that, what, what God says to us then, and when he explains himself to us in, the, in his season, in due time, is that there's no one like him. That there's, there's no way to understand the mind of God unless he gives you the mind of Christ. That there's no way for you to interpret the scripture apart from the spirit. Because his ways are so much higher. You can't seek him on your own. You can't find him on your own. It takes faith and not a faith that's just placed in anything, but a right faith that's placed in him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of what is hoped for and conviction about what isn't seen. If that is God's definition of faith, it can never be or lead to being wise in your own eyes. If you ever look in the mirror and think, you're a pretty sharp dude. God, you're so welcome. Repent. Yeah, right. See, we need a faith that looks like the Lord. I've been eaten up probably for the past few months. I keep coming back to it, and I'll probably preach on it again next year just because it's eaten on me so much. I scribbled this in my journal this week. We aren't done yet, but know this is the linchpin of my faith. Lord, I'm torn up by the words of Christ. A wicked generation asks for a sign. We are looking for something from Jesus, and we are not looking for Jesus. We are listening to something that could be from Jesus, but we aren't listening to Jesus. And you tell me, my sheep know my voice. See, faith is the assurance of what is hoped for and the conviction of what hasn't been seen from and in the Almighty God. I'm not saying that in humility and brokenness and like Gideon with apologetics, you can never ask God to make sure that it's you, that it's, that, that's his voice. But if a sign is meant for God to prove himself to you, it's like coming to me and asking me to do something to prove that I'm real. Not only is it nonsensical, it's, it's actually lacking what God calls faith it should reveal to you and to me that there's a growth of maturity there's a dark place in our heart that we need Christ to shine into so I, I have been just bitten by that lately
lately and I've just started to say, God, I want to ask you to show me that it's you, but can you just show me you? I don't know what it looks like, and sometimes it leads to a longer prayer, but I don't want a faith that is wise in my own eyes, lest I be unaware of the mystery of God. Church, what the Lord says is, His way is so much greater. And it only gets better. Because when faith in faith we wait and we listen and we trust in the Lord to reveal things in his timing he does and he will he will not fail you because of his promise that doesn't break it's not because he owes you something it's because when God gives himself he is faithful to himself when he brings you in he is faithful to you because you are in him ah it just gets better Verse 28, Romans chapter 11 through verse 32. The Bible says this. As regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. For just as you at one time were disobedient to God, but now we have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have been disobedient in order that they may receive mercy shown to you they may also now receive mercy for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all I'm going to tell you a word and if it's offensive to you hold back on it have you ever had someone be condescending towards you isn't that a great feeling said no one ever ever I want you to know there's one person all of creation and beyond who you want to be condescending to you the word con means bring together to descend means bring it to your level in other words if god almighty has condescended it means god who is separate and above and holy for the sake of bringing he and you together is going to talk on a level that you can understand with him does that sound mean or wonderful for my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are higher than your thoughts yet i want to bring us together by coming down to your wet level he does that throughout scripture he does it in the form and the giving of his son that's the most evident example but that's what he does here he says just in case you don't understand what i'm talking about here let me tell you what it looks like and this is what verse 25 through verse uh, excuse me verse 26 28 through verse 32 sets apart he says, in regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. They are the Jews. Now, he's just told them that, that listen, I, you saw the chain, and you should just be able to take it in faith that this is my promise. But he says, let me condescend. Let me bring us together. I want to speak to you on your level the things that your mind can't have on its own. So the Jews, when it comes to the gospel, right now, they are enemies, E-N-E-M-I-E-S, right? That looks like enemies, y'all are with me. For, for your sake, they're enemies. And this is good for you. Are the Jews our enemies? Are the Jews the Roman church's enemies? 
Were the Jews the Gentile church's enemies? No, the Jews were the enemies of whom? The gospel. The power of salvation for all who would believe. Jesus Christ. God made flesh. So the Jews, when it comes to the gospel, they're enemies for you. And he'll explain why. This is what he says to the Roman church. But then he says something completely different. He says, but in regards to, and that regard means positionally, where they stand when it comes to election, in other words, being the chosen people of God, they are loved for the sake of their forefathers. So at the same point in time, the Jews are enemies of the gospel and loved by God. Why does God unpack this? Because he wants them to see, and he unpacks, he explains it more. For just as one time you were disobedient because that the Jews of the day were enemies of the gospel... God showed you a mercy that would only come after this door was opened. So God shows you mercy by allowing the Jews to be enemies of the gospel. So instead of being proud that it's your movement now, be in awe that God would use someone else's brokenness to make a way for life. But he says, listen, in the same way, verse 31, so too they have been so obedient in order that they may receive the mercy shown to you. God will show them mercy too. This mercy is based on the promise this mercy is God's gift inviting us into the promise none of us would have picked this plan none of us would have made it up why would God do this and the secret secrets in scripture verse 29 this is our linchpin for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable you see if this half of the picture doesn't exist, then it looks like the promise and the calling of God has been revoked. If this half doesn't exist, then where are the gifts of God to creation and image bearers? But the gifts of God are both promise and calling. They're irrevocable what the word irrevocable looks I looked up how, how it was written out it just means this it means that God will never regret those two things he will never regret making a promise and he will never regret giving out a gift let the stories of scripture flood your mind 
the story of Christ when he went to get people who were working on the side of the road. The landowner says early in the day, here's the price, let's go work on it. Middle of the day, here's the price, come work in my field. End of the day, here's the price, come work in my field. At the end of the day, he gave the same amount to the people who had worked a few hours as he gave to all day. A gift and a promise. The people who received the promise were angry, thinking they deserved more. But God says, you're welcome. Because my promise and my gift, I am not sorry for either one. Church, this is a reason to praise God. That he is one worth putting all of our faith in. And that's what Paul does. When Paul lays it out, he says this. He says in verse 33, Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? And from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Church, God doesn't have to go first grade unpacking for us. But he's not sorry that he does. Because it's meant to give you a certainty and assurance and a conviction about your faith being trusted in him. About how you don't lean in your, on your own understanding. About how you acknowledge him. That, that's what it's all about. And, and he does these things to wake us up, to give us encouragement, and it should make us want to praise and you may say, Pastor, I came to church today, and I don't, I don't care. It, it's never bothered me that the Jews were hardened or, or being excited. I've, I've never had a problem being humbled. I don't think I deserve in any way. That's all right. This lesson wasn't simply for that. It was to remind you that his ways are higher, and your faith should be put, placed in him and not in yourself. You want to be whole. You want to live healthy. You want your, your body and your spirit to know the joy of life? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He doesn't want you to live ignorantly. He doesn't want you to walk out of this church thinking you've heard God say something and, and you walk out half listening in your Superman for Jesus costume. Proud and a fool he wants you to know life and joy to the fullest so trust him let's pray together Father God we love you Lord we thank you for this day Lord the reality is there have been times where I belong grouped in with the Roman church where pride has crept in and I feel like I've gotten it Lord, I praise you that the God and the creator of all things condescends to my level and corrects me with truth. God, I praise you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God made flesh. How else would you have brought us together with you, the almighty, except to come down? So Lord, if there's a man or woman, boy or girl in this room that does not know you as Lord and Savior, let it start there. Lord, they have up to this point been wise in their own eyes. They leaned on their own understanding. 
but today you have shown them that you don't want them to live unaware in ignorance and in pride but you want them to live life in you so God right now I just pray that you would open their heart to the truth of who you are and that they may be humbled by the presence of your son for your church let us be inspired by your spirit let us be humble as we celebrate because you planned it all.